You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm Michael Edwards out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. We're on wonderful episode 56. Yeah, 8 times 7. Yeah. We should really stop doing this mass shenanigans, <laughs> start incorporating some music into those. Um I wanted to start this episode, um, this is technically follow-up, uh, since it's about your pick of the week from uh, one episode ago, which is Identikit by Radiohead. And since I've listened to the album a little bit more and I also really enjoy the song, there's just one thing that I, have, I, I, I get irrationally angry about. And <laughs> it's probably mostly my fault, although... Um, also a little bit of Johnny Greenwood's fault. Um, so the song starts out, uh, with the drums by themselves, but, and this is not the first song in existence that does this, but it doesn't start on the one. And I mean, that's okay. You, you kind of develop through how the, the, uh, the single hits on the drums are emphasized. You kind of always figure out some way of which one is the one, which one is the three, because, you know, there's some standard distributions of the kick and the snare on some, <laughs> on, on the rhythm, um, which is also present here. But there's two ways to listen to those drums, and I always catch the wrong ones. And it's not the fault of the drums, it's the fault of the guitar. <laughs> so let, let me let me just uh, play a short sample of the beginning of the song, and then then... Yeah, you can comment on uh, if you find it difficult or not. So here's a little bit of Identikit. So let me let me just play the first few hits again because you can get the feeling that it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and. That's wrong. <laughs> no, I just had the wrong one. And even then, the guitar doesn't start on that one. So it's just shifted so much that I would really go as far as to say that uh, the guitar and the drums, they have just nothing in common rhythmically, nothing at all, <laughs> which on paper I like, but it gets me so angry that every time the song starts, I'm like, Ah, now I gotta wait till the vocals, uh, like start. So I know where I can, where I can rest on, on what, what is the one in this song. Man, it Make, makes your brain mad. Yeah. Just thinking about it makes me angry. <laughs> I wonder, like, what's the visual version of that? Like something that's just kind of off that, like people use it in a, a good way to draw your attention to something or yeah. like force you to listen or watch. Ah. Uh. Use like using Comic Sans on your company vehicles to advertise for your company, <laughs> because people do that a lot in Germany. They always choose <laughs> Comic Sans. Or if you like, with like a video picture, if you took the red channel and shifted it left twenty pixels and the ah, oh, you mean right like this fake pixels. chromatic aberration three D effect? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that can be tastefully done, and you can still see the actual geometry that's being portrayed. But this here is like, man, just skip the first minute and give me the vocals. I, it just makes me uh, uncomfortable. 
I, I really like it on paper. Maybe it's, it should. I'm, I'm not trying to shit on the song. It's a good song. It's a good composition. It's a great idea for rhythm. But I can't listen to this song and enjoy it for the first minute that's happening. It's just, it. Ah, I have to work. I have to work when I listen to this song. I, I just don't have that reaction. I, 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 for some reason, feel the drum groove and I like the guitar with it and... What makes it harder is that the actual first one in the song of the drums is a snare hit. It's yeah. a snare hit, and ah, no, please. He's stop. just setting you up to yeah. drop into it. You're just you're on the diving board, and he splashes in. <laughs> Man, but yeah, the rest, the whole song is great, but that part just it kills me every time. All right, on onto the actual show. Yeah, we got a bunch of stories this week to talk about of quite a variety. And the first one is, uh, the Doom recently got released, the, the new sequel slash remake. Apparently every Doom game is a remake. They bill it, it seems like. They I always have the same story and the same setting, so. Yeah, but there was Doom 3 where they like, there was yeah. a lot of story and then everyone's like, no, this is not why I play Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, anyway, the soundtrack. Um, it turns out if you throw that in a spectrogram, you can see sixes in the sound. <laughs> and uh, this isn't, you're going to point out, isn't the first time anyone's ever done this, but yeah. it's a nice little Easter egg for that soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, it must sound horrible because every time somebody like uh, embeds images into the frequency spectrum, it, it can't sound good. <laughs> that, that's not <laughs> how it works. So uh, what instantly came to mind for me was FX Twin, who also did this kind of stuff. So at the end of Window Liquor, there's this kind of spirally synth. So if you watch it, it's actually like a spiral. And then there is some also, uh, I think, Plate. Plate had a song called Threes, where you can actually see like little threes inside the spectrogram. Uh, which, but they're, they're a little smaller, so they're more like short drum hits than like melodies or melody lines that you can really hear. But yeah, it's it's always nice to have this kind of fun stuff, like to build on the lore and like the otherworldly feeling of <laughs> of of the game and the setting. Would you ever try to draw like in the piano roll with MIDI and then see what the result is? It's pretty much always garbage. It's gonna be crap. Yeah, <laughs> not worth the time. <laughs> It might work for like rhythm stuff. You might end up with something interesting, but anything melodic, you're just yeah. like, oh, gross. Uh, yeah, I, sometimes it happens the other way around where I, um, I accidentally push the drum MIDI track or the MIDI notes from the drum track onto another track and it always sounds so stupid because like the yeah. way, the way standard drums are laid out on the keyboard, I mean, that is <laughs> technically a little bit of rhyme and reason, but if you shift that to melody, it's like this sounds... Yeah, only in rhythm. Like yeah. There's like a kind of a dissonant baby like <laughs> banging their hands on a piano is kind of what it usually yeah. sounds like. I actually, I, I have an example of that. I, it still might be on my SoundCloud. And if it is, then we're going to put this in the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 56. This is where you can find them or in your podcast app if you're listening using your favorite podcatcher. <laughs> yes. Uh so uh, there was yet another article about how little songwriters make, and this one was particularly depressing. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's a weird point of comparison, but nonetheless, it's just another way of pointing out how hard it is to earn money on songwriter, songwriter royalties. But So this article was uh, using release data about Spotify uh, 
salaries. So the, apparently the average salary at Spotify is $168,000, <laughs> um, which sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. Um, that must be a pretty coveted job. Um, and so if you take the federally decided rate that songwriters get, um, this isn't something that you can negotiate. This is like <laughs> mandated by our government. Um, you would have to stream, one of your songs would need to be streamed 288 million times for you to make that same $168,000. Wow. wow. Just for comparison, <laughs> I'm just now checking the views on Gangnam Style and it's 88 million. So you're never going to make, <laughs> on, I mean, on one song. Um and I mean, this always opens up into the same like conversation of like, well, should you be able to like write a song once and live the rest of your life off of it? And it's like, no, but there's a lot of room in between yeah. doing nothing and getting yeah. paid a lot the rest of my life. And um, <laughs> actually, can you do me a favor and check YouTube for the official Gangnam Style video? Because I have reason to believe that I'm not actually being displayed the original video. Because... In hindsight, okay. 88 million doesn't seem that much for a video like Gangnam Style. And oh no, 2.6 billion. There you go. Like for a second, oh, it can't be. And the uploader is Kaboom Tribe. So once three again, I'm, I'm, I'm in my little German YouTube bubble, and I don't know what the what reality looks like. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess this is to try to shame. Spotify for something they didn't decide about royalties. Sorry, we're paying our, uh, our employees that much. That's, um, yeah, that's the other thing that comes up every single time with one of these stories. It's like, Spotify is this big bad, just kidding. <laughs> it's not their fault. I mean... Um, they I, I pay know, out, like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, as I know, Dan here, like, comparing this to company or, like, the employers, uh, employees of a company like Spotify... Who works for Spotify? IT guys, software programmers, like people doing the architecture, doing marketing, promotion. Of course, this, these are all jobs that are paid well. If I could live off of my money, I wouldn't be like, man, I'm only going to be satisfied once I reach those 160,000. So I think just the, the whole point of this comparison just fails right at the beginning. Like compare this to just something you can live off of. Because I would say that most people who are on this track of, yeah, what I would love to make music and be able to live off of it. That's the goal. Live off of it. Not get rich. Nobody is fooling themselves anymore to, in yeah. this day and age that you will get rich or that you have any control of actually getting rich from this. But then, so let's just divide the numbers by four. <laughs> um, so for, you know, a salary just over $40,000, which is pretty entry level in a lot yeah. of fields. Um, yep. It's... You could live off it depending on what part of the country you live in, but it's nothing extravagant. Um, you would still need, well, 288 divided by four, 72 million streams. Yeah, that's still a lot. I agree with that. Um, but that's then Spotify alone. And we all know that there are better paying avenues than Spotify. It's just Spotify is that one big thing. If you are at the point where you, let's say, are getting 20 million plays, just 20 million. Um, I have reason to believe that you're big enough and organized enough that you can sell merch, that you can sell tickets for live shows, uh, that you can, that you also sell your music on iTunes or Google Play Music, where people are still paying for the files, not just for the rights to stream it. 
so this isn't just a bubble where an artist is only on Spotify and that's the only way he can ever get any money at all. Yeah. When you have to make the argument to people who probably don't agree with you um, that the song, just the mere act of writing the song is the thing that deserves to be paid more yeah. as a yeah. percentage. Absolutely. I agree with that. Because that's what the yeah. numbers come from. Um, yeah, the thing is that also you um, always then have to, with most people or with most artists, divide that up because I'm assuming this is just for an artist as an entity and we're not talking about how many people are actually this artist. Is it a band of five people or is it just a lone producer? Um, yeah, I think as soon as you're like two or more people, like two that could still be viable, but three people or more, you have to have another strategy to be able to live off of this. Yeah. All right. And then we've got some some little technological advances or some new tools, some new uh, gadgets on the market. Tell me about those USB DACs. So <laughs> what is a DAC? Uh, digital audio converter. Um how does sound get turned from ones and zeros into actual audible sound oh, or, or the reverse? Here. Yeah. Um, so there's these, this new class apparently of uh, little USB. They look almost like those little battery cubes that people carry around to charge up their phones on the go. Um, and basically uh, these exist to give you much higher quality uh, output of audio to your headphones. And they, they don't have to be uh, snake oiled; like they can actually be good. And uh, but the the reason these even need to exist is because the DACs that are built into laptops um, and phones and so forth are. Well, I guess it, you wouldn't use this with the phone unless you had a USB port uh, full size somehow that could power this. Um, but even your big boy laptops have terrible DACs; they're just like off the shelf. Um, even apples are pretty mediocre. and yeah. I always thought that they were a little better, at least. <laughs> There's some, like, baseline, but they're, they're, they're pretty mediocre. And, uh, you know, if you just grab some random HP Best Buy laptop and stick your headphones in, it's probably going to... might be Beats. Well, not anymore. <laughs> um, so anyway, you can get these USB DACs that basically you just hook them in and then hook your headphones into that and or, or your speakers, and then you'll have great audio because it's not the crap that's in your laptop. <laughs> and uh, and sort of the question is, uh, this article, this was on The Verge's Circuit Breaker, their new gadget blog, um, is uh, are these for regular people? Do they make sense for mere mortals? Or is this just another audiophile thing? I mean, I, I guess you would probably place yourself, maybe not in the audiophile camp, but you care about hearing I music. I care about it, and I can appreciate it, but <laughs> there's a limit to that. So would you carry one of these around? No. Um, at the moment, I, I'm not listening too much uh, to a lot of music on my laptop while I'm on the go. Uh, if I'm somewhere with my laptop, it's either at work or attending a seminar or lecture or something. And I'm not listening to music in any of those places. And even then, um, no, probably not. But <laughs> I can see a reason for them to exist if I only had a laptop. Um I mean, even if I listen, when I'm listening here at home, um, I'm using the crappy, in air quotes, um, regular output of my motherboard, which I know that it's not well shielded. So there's a little bit of ground noise in my, in my loudspeakers. But once the music starts, it's, it's okay. And if I really want to enjoy music, I'm going to listen on my headphones anyway. It goes through my 
interface and that's a whole different beast like that thing is yeah. made to convert audio to digital and the other way around so um no i don't see myself uh, having one of these in the near future but i can understand why you would want them but there is always this one feature set that extends way into something that is not necessary yeah. which is playback above 48 kilohertz so um, uh, just, just for reference, a regular audio CD has a sample rate of 44.1 kilohertz. So for every second, you've pretty much measured the original or you're reproducing the original signal, um, at like 44,100 points per second. And that's basically enough for us. We talked about the Snyquist thing in, I yeah. think one of our earliest episodes, like this, this uh, sample rate can reproduce frequencies up to like 22,000 and as we discovered last time we can't even hear from 18,000 <laughs> above anymore at least the two of us <laughs> and so and for a lot of television and movies uh, people are using 48 kilohertz which is I think it just has to do with it being like dividable by 24 and you've got like the 24 frames per second in movies like it just fits with the frame rate and um, we just like nice even numbers yeah you, you just want it to be dividable uh, a divis <laughs> divisible not dividable is it divisible yeah okay thanks uh, so the thing is going beyond that is just unnecessary just for listening purposes because you can't hear any of the information that's, <laughs> that's in there that you gained from this. Yes, there will be more information in the file, but there is no way to reproduce this unless you pitch down the whole song until those frequencies like start to enter our hearable frequency spectrum. <laughs> and then it'll be garbage. <laughs> and then it will be, oh great, now I can hear the sizzle of the Hyatt in the 30,000 kilohertz round <laughs> which sounds stupid when you pitch it down um so your dog might enjoy those frequencies but we certainly aren't and it goes up to 196 was it i think it was uh, 196 what why a waste it's just it's, it's yeah, just it's, a bullet point just try a, to sell it's a waste of bandwidth it's a waste of space um uh it's just unnecessary and the reason i'm complaining about this like yeah it can have a feature that you're not going to use that's okay because these are the points where people are upselling other like customers on those uh items like like they do with monster cables like well you could get this one but you could also get this one which converts up to 196 kilohertz and people are going to pay for that because it sounds better on paper but it hasn't isn't really actually better so it's just a lot more material to scam people with Although the the device itself is okay, it it play it does playback at that frequency, but nobody needs that, and people are going to sell it to you like you would need this. Yeah, it, it, it totally is a monster cable situation. Um, I could see if I had to do detail mixing on the road with my laptop, and like I didn't want to always have to hook up in like a god awful interface that had mic inputs, and I just wanted to hear clean audio while mixing. Uh, anywhere, then I would probably pick one of these up, but not for listening. I, I kind of, you know, to me, listening when I'm on the go is completely about convenience. Yeah. And <laughs> every little adapter you want me to throw on, I, I don't care if it's marginally better. Yeah. Um, not worth it. As much as I like good quality audio, I have to agree that convenience trumps, uh, audio quality sometimes. Um, for bandwidth reason, I, use the low setting on google play music when i'm 
when I'm on the go. Um, on my in in the car, I use the Bluetooth connection to play the music, and for some reason, the radio has this problem with higher frequencies. So there's a lot of distortion when there's a hi hat going, and it sounds awful. But I don't want to carry an aux cable around with me. So <laughs> I deal. I just live with this. Yeah, and then you have your car volume versus your yeah, yeah. device volume. And yeah, I, like, I want to I want to be able to switch between my Bluetooth headphones and the car radio and not have to think about this. And that's for me a lot more important than, I mean, sound in the car is already bad and just a little <laughs> bit of distortion in the high frequencies. Ugh, give me a break. It's the motor sound <laughs> is loud enough, so I'm not yeah. really enjoying it the same I would at my home stereo anyway. Well, it's like you know if you're just crashing on a couch to watch a little bit of friends like do you care yeah. that it's not a 6k tv with like <laughs> some new upscaled export you're like whatever like yeah. ross's jokes are still oh the way they they showed those i think like i remember watching friends uh when they were still originally being broadcast even here in germany and there was always something weird about the frame rate. And I know because, they, I mean, they have to convert the frame rate uh, from NTSC to PAL. And I always felt like this is the speed seem, doesn't seem right. I know they, they pitched <laughs> up and and, uh, and um, sped up the theme song of France. Like it went high and high. And I think like they, this is not the actual original version. But I, feel, I felt like the actual episodes were also like different times. So, so yeah. weird. What is PAL's frame rate for twenty five? Because we got well, fifty hertz coming out of our outlets, and so okay. frame rate is twenty five. Well, most TV in the US isn't it isn't twenty four like our film. It's, it's thirty, uh, thirty or yeah. twenty nine point nine seven or whatever. It's like yeah, some crazy insanity. But yeah, drop frames. Yeah, nine seven. That's correct. Yeah, um, Lars's camera always records in twenty nine nine seven. Uh. <laughs> Everything yeah, looks like a soap sweet. opera. But yeah, I uh, like uh, good thing is now with HD and HD televisions, we uh, in Germany have also technically upgraded to 30 frames per second. Uh, I mean, computer monitors are 60 hertz. TV TVs are now playing things or upscaling them to 60. Everything <laughs> is now being converted. There are no, like those analog parts aren't a problem. So technically PAL is... I mean, PAL is the thing of the past anyway, and 25 frames is also a thing of the past. Unless you do want to you, play some classic PlayStation. Do you even 240 hertz? Um, <laughs> we got another Spotify story, and that's... Uh, so they're, they've kind of been in the news for a couple of years now with the Discovery playlist. Uh, people really like it. Um, it's one of the best features of Spotify. And... Uh, but to expand beyond that, um, they've, they've invested in these new fresh finds playlists. And these are not just powered by your listening history. In fact, they aren't powered by your listening history at all. Um, they're a nice alternative to that. If you are worried that this one song you streamed 15,000 times one year is going to forever wait what it gives you in the discovery playlist. Um, the, the fresh finds is built on the backs of, uh, mp3 blogs and and people that spotify has identified as tastemakers um but this isn't done with their knowledge they don't know they're the source of this curation so it's not self-conscious it's not hey i'm picking songs for spotify it's just hey go about your business you tastemakers and we'll 
We'll farm what you are listening to and then curate that into fresh finds. This is going to bring a lot of ideas to the people at Yelp who are going to like implant RFID chips into people. So they are <laughs> anonymous, unknowing reviewers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Spotify basically grabs this big list of songs that come from these curators and then uh, divide them into genres and release them every week. And uh, I haven't actually checked out any of these um, but I kind of want to. When I at, at some point probably go back to Spotify, I'm still undecided. I will definitely check those out. Um, at the moment, I wouldn't want to because uh, I really don't want to ever listen to Spotify commercials ever again. <laughs> and just to check this feature out, I'm not going to buy a month of subscription. So I'm going to wait a little bit. Or maybe I can check it on Lars's account. He still has the premium. Um, I don't know if, uh, I know Sony is running a like 99 cent for three months of Spotify partnership in the US. I don't know if that spills no, into Germany. No, no, they didn't do that here. Um, but I just like this approach that's like half automatic, half human, um, because you can't do it completely just in one of those two ways you have to have the mix of that and um this whole approach just makes sense like i read this I, they have this really nice diagram on this on this website uh, that explains how it's being curated and you look at this and think yeah that's that's the way to go um the only thing is that it's really going to favor, and I see it as a positive, it's really going to favor totally unknown artists um, with probably very diverse uh, styles um, because apparently like these 50,000 people, uh, the article calls them hipsters, um, like, it has this connotation of, oh, these are the people who are always seeking new stuff. And so just the, the, if the source material is already fresh stuff, you can get more fresh stuff out of it. And now I'm just fresh hoping cut. that either I could become one of those 50,000s or I could be one of them who's being discovered by those 50,000s. So yes. um, if at some point anybody finds out in some way that they are one of those tastemakers, I can bet you that they are. Be they will post on Craigslist something like, hey, pay me to scroll your stuff and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to... Gonna make you famous. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to no, say. No, me, me neither. I, I like this. I'm gonna try it out, definitely. It's uh, always uh, interesting following the, the ideas that they have at Spotify of curating new stuff. You, you can really tell that they put a lot of effort into the the stuff they want to deliver to you, the material. They know it's like, this is about the music. We want to get you the music that you like. And... Um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I always enjoyed Spotify. And that's why I had to deal with their UI crap and probably will be again <laughs> sometime in the future. But yeah, the features were always great. It's just, man, please get some UI people. <laughs> UI, UX. Just, just get somebody. So I have a conversation I want to have about some tweets I read. And uh, this was uh, this uh, artist I follow on Twitter. Her name's Becky. And uh, she was posting about um, some ironies about art school. And uh, um, she was talking about how... I'll, I'll just read a couple of these tweets. Um, what I think is most funny about art school is you can start out with amazing talent and draw super real and then get panned. And what will happen is artists making high conceptual work will get the most attention. Artists who put a two by four in a room and call it the massacre of Goliad. These artists win the attention. 
Um, or, or on the other hand, teachers look down on you if you're doing illustration and say, illustration is bad. Stop drawing representational, um, forms of art. And, uh, you know, that's sort of the cliche that people who aren't in the arts kind of feel about the art world and mass is like, oh, it's a bunch of people that, you know, grab some trash and throw it in a room and go, this is art. And then, you know, in spite of the 20th century trying to upend everything about art, um, it is kind of an, an ugly cliche. And uh, I was wondering if this applies to the sound world. And I think it does um, in some ways uh, in the the obsessive search for new genres that we see going on even more quickly these days. But the thing is that... Um music is being distributed on the internet so much now that uh, for something to get successful, it has to happen on the internet and the internet can be very, very skeptical and critical about anything new that's on the radar. Um, we, we've seen this when stuff like Vaporwave, uh, which we've discussed and all those micro genres um, kind of develop, like people were making fun of it. And I mean, they were still sharing it. But I, I think as the whole, like the Internet also sees this cliche when it comes to art and they don't want to incorporate that into their own uh, yeah. ecosystem. And I think that's why it won't necessarily work that much with music. But then again, um I'm not studying music. I don't know how they view that. I know that for my uh, entry exam back in the days, uh, I had to learn a list of songs. Uh, it started out as just like 100 songs. And then throughout uh, the program, you would get more and more and more stuff. But there was some modern stuff in there. Was There was uh, um, Creep by Radiohead was on the list, like next <laughs> to some some jazz from the 1930s that like sparked something. Um, I, so I don't know how... Those people see it, but I think that for the music scene in general, which is a lot more open than any kind of art scene, I would say. Uh, although, ah, I mean, there's things like Deviant Art. The art <laughs> scene is also very open and it's full of illustrations. So I think it's only really like the professional side of art that would think this way. And I don't, I really don't know how the professional side of music and with professional, <laughs> I mean, I practically mean academia, um, how, how they view this. Well, and I mean, I think visual arts have the problem of this whole illustration and representationalism and like, um, when you're painting things, people really want you to paint something like maybe regular people are like, Hey, why is this? What is this weird art where you just splotch colors? And it's like, I don't have to draw a house. <laughs> yeah. Like I can paint for the texture for any reason or for the mood or for, you know, any, any sort of reason, um, or no reason at all. I'm, I'm just sort of the elephant kind of throwing stuff on the wall. And, uh, I think music gets the benefit of the doubt that way because music can't, I mean, I guess you could do found sound if you want to be yeah. representational with your music and it's just, you know, but I think ironically in music, if you're doing sound documents of found sound field recorder noise from nature um you're either super cheesy new age cds of like waters and raining um or it's avant-garde hard to even call music noise stuff which isn't mundane at all in the music world people kind of hate it because it's <laughs> abstract and strange um whereas in the the professional art world that's really valued i guess I mean, I could see corners of music really valuing that 
it, but it's it's like a weird inversion because there's like I can say in in the the world of drawing it's like hey draw that glass but if I'm like hey write a song that glass <laughs> doesn't make any sense yeah what is a song like a drawing people have it ingrained in them you are drawing things that are in the real world and that there's no direct analog to that for music unless it's you're just, mimicking birds yeah mu- or music is just inherently a little more disconnected from the real world in that sense and that's why you're doing all this stuff. I mean, I mean, you could technically say that um, the way digital art is being produced is a little um, like the parallel to electronic music developing. Um, but then again, a lot of digital art is still the same aspects or the same motives that people do in traditional art. So most of the time or a lot of the time. So yeah, it's just, it's just really hard to compare the two and, yeah. I can just say that um uh, going back to those original tweets um I read those and I sent that to Lars and yeah it's just story of his life um <laughs> like he has to twist his stuff around so much for them for, for the people that to appreciate his art so he he's yeah you can't just demonstrate incredible skill yeah. illustrating something yeah. they want you to somehow challenge the entire universe with every piece there was a guy who scratched his canvas with a with a fork and that was his whole shtick for like half a year or so and it's so obnoxious and he he, he had this he was he was so arrogant even about this and <laughs> i just can't take anyone serious there like show me you can actually you're actually capable of something first and then you can do all the experiments you want, but show me that you can actually yeah. do something. Well, and I, I don't like it when the artist is really doing operating in the space of the critic 100% of the time. Like my entire piece is so meta. I'm like already in the <laughs> I realm don't even of understand talking. it myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about it before I've done anything. Like I make something first and not, not just, <laughs> You, you, like she said, you grabbed a two by four and called it the massacre of Goliad and yeah. <laughs> some kind of like mystical bullshit. Yeah. Well, speaking of high art and mystical bullshit, um, I have another X to grind and it's, so we, we were at a party yesterday, a good friend and, um, always have some good music running there. So uh, like everybody curates the playlist more or less, uh, a lot of different tastes there, but Usually that's like a common denominator that which we can all agree on. But every once in a while, uh, we play something that only certain people enjoy. So one of those things was a song that has been really popular recently in Germany. And I, I knew it existed, but I never really heard it all that much. So yesterday I, um, had to suffer through it about three times. And <laughs> the thing, so the story is that, um, this the song started playing and I was looking at my friend like, ha, ah, this is this is a funny joke, like this is a funny song because it's so shitty. And right that moment somebody from the other table was like, Wow, that's a great taste. Yeah, please turn that up. And he's <laughs> pr- probably the reason why we really had to listen to that song two times later. And at that moment I really had to realize like people actually listen to this song unironically. And this this isn't like an like you can say that, oh, music elitist, like, of course you dislike the song and you're bashing it now, but <laughs> I genuinely didn't believe anybody would listen to this song unironically, genuinely. <laughs> and I still can't, and I had to do some research now on the song. So 
it's a typical so this is what it's called what's called deep house right now at least here in germany <laughs> i i checked out the wikipedia article of deep house and nothing written there describes anything like the music that's being produced as deep house right now here at least here in germany i don't know about other countries i don't know about the us you probably <laughs> don't listen to deep house so i don't know no. if you have any insight there um but if you had asked me what is deep house and this song falls into that category 100% you grab a kick drum from your sample pack you grab four chords on your acoustic guitar and you get some woman to sing some vocals for you and there you go deep house number one in the charts for two weeks and with uh, that here is a little bit of uh this song uh which is called die immer lacht uh, which basically means she who's always laughing or the girl who's always laughing <laughs> That, that's um, enough. You don't want more of this. You <laughs> know what me. that sample sounds like to me? Uh, it sounds like someone is recording to one of those like old 12-track machines and they're using that kick sample as a metronome <laughs> and they forgot to turn it off when they exported their song. Yeah. Um, that's what that sounds like. And it's like, ah, turn off the click track. I just want to hear your song. So um, that in it, that in itself is bad enough, I think. Like you get this feeling of the, some producer was there and he knew, yeah, let's let's do some paint by numbers music. I mean, Deep House, Deep House is very popular. Let's just do exactly that. But it gets even worse. So the song was originally not a Deep House track, but more what we would call Schlager. So it was just that woman with the guitar. And then this, this like singer songwriter. Yeah, singer songwriter. Yeah, she posted it. I, I think she recorded it for a friend. Then she burned it on some CDs, and one of those people uploaded it to YouTube. Fast forward like ten years, and this producer duo called Stereo Act discover this song, and I feel like, hey, let's remix that. And remix is a real stretch here. <laughs> Slapping no a kick effort. drum, and yeah, it's just. I, I today because so in preparation for the show, I actually listened to the song on the headphones, and you really hear how the song is separate from the kick drum. Like the kick drum is its own own entity in this whole song, and it's just so disconnected. And you feel like this is just an experiment of them going like, "Hey, let's see how little effort we can put into this yeah. and how popular." And they won the lottery with this. Like I'm, I'm not really all that angry about them because. It's it's the market that allows for this to happen. <laughs> That's what I'm angry about. Yeah, there's something in that like identikit was bothering you. <laughs> um, this is a whole different beast, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> the way that the like side chaining and acoustic guitar that like that kind of like very folky kind of strumming basic pop song acoustic guitar side chain to a kick so that it's like pulsating <laughs> makes my brain angry i hate it it like makes me squirm like it's so gross sounding why would you do that <laughs> yeah and so i i only played a very short sample of this right now so uh just to get a little bit into the lyrics which makes the song even more stupid um so the lyrics are 80 percent the sentence uh, die, die immer lacht, the girl who's always laughing. And 
always <laughs> repeated, like the girl who's always laughing. And then when she's alone, she can cry. But when she's with other people, she's always laughing. It's oh, like this I see. I most see. mundane, like the singer songwriter said she wrote it in five the sad minutes. Clown. Yeah. She, she wrote it in five minutes and you can hear it's been, it has been written in five minutes, but it's getting so much praise and it's so popular and it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> Call me jealous all you want. Like this is a special case where you have to agree that this is awful yeah and well it, wow. it reminds me of like like rebecca black friday kind yeah of it's thing. exactly that but it's even less like it's even fewer lines of lyrics it's just <laughs> nothing and it says nothing it's this pseudo uh, um like critical of society oh how we have to <laughs> shift ourselves uh you know, I, I make so, like I don't really write, don't write the best lyrics, but I try to to pack it into some metaphors and like there are some parallels to what I try to express in the song lives. And then I see this and I'm like, I could make it so easy for myself. Like, no, <laughs> I, I don't want to. You could just stop caring and just start shipping more and more, yeah. and something will strike gold. <laughs> and then some other aspiring artist will hate you. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's out. the way to go. Yeah, so the track has what had what was that eighty eight million? I think they had the eighty eight million <laughs> that you need to to be able to. Yeah, it's forty one, forty one million on YouTube, and then that YouTube ad revenue on top of that. There you go. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> Let's get to some good songs. Let's have our picks of the week. Yeah, I think you should go first this time. All right. Um, so you picked Radiohead last time, although they don't need any support from our podcast. No. We're really honest. Like we are not the big tastemakers here um, that people would listen to not knowing about Radiohead. But I had to grab one of my favorite tracks from the new album by Holy Fuck. And the whole album is just fantastic. I was really scared whenever like an artist get, brings out a new album that I've been listening to for a few years. Um I'm always scared that they do something that I really don't like anymore. And holy fuck just managed to like retain everything that they love, that I love them for, but they put so much fresh stuff in there. And so one of the more surprising tracks on there is, is Neon Dad. Um, it has this <laughs> 80s vibe to it, like not necessarily Hotline Memory because it's not really a retro wave or anything, but it has this feeling to it. Like I want to drive... Uh, through Miami while listening to this song on a, on a summer <laughs> day. So here's a little bit of Neon Dad by Holy Fuck. What did you think of this song? I like this track a lot. And uh, it was, I listened to the, a few of the surrounding tracks on the new album, and they felt more like what I think of as Holy Fuck. Of, <laughs> ah, so House of Glass, the one that comes after that? Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's Holy Fuck. <laughs> and uh, this is a little more up my alley. I'll admit I need to, to dig into their discography more. Um, 
based on your constant praise. Um, <laughs> but this song was just wonderful. And, uh, I, I love the tambourine that comes in every once in a while. Um, I, I wrote tambourine intensifies. Um, <laughs> and when, when the song really gets going, um, the, the mesh of sounds reminds me of, uh, broken social scene, even though they, they usually don't sound like this, but they have some <laughs> moments of like, crazy crashing so many layers going on kind of thing and it's all kind of lo-fi in a way and uh very very wonderful and then right at the end of the song it goes into some hell yes halftime um <laughs> the drums just drop into halftime for the last bit of the song and it's just this nice little yeah, yeah you know this was good <laughs> yeah yeah holy fuck just have this ability where they make a lot of songs that don't necessarily have a lot of melodic material like it's more about the groove and the texture and the the soundscape but man when they do melodies they have some great a melodies and this is one of those songs that's just pure melodic and the like every sound like it's 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 a 10 out of 10 song for me definitely <laughs> um, i do the i have to the the dead do not open dove of their the way they put the letters on their album cover. Yeah. It looks like like Halsey Offic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always have to censor themselves in some way to get around people being like, no, you can't put something in our store that says fuck on it. Or you like can rearrange the, the letters slightly. Yeah, yeah the, or the gig posters that they have to censor. It's 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 man, people get over this. <laughs> so what was your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a track by Beulah called Emma Blowgun's Last Stand. And this is a track that uh, takes its time. It really, you know, it's not in a hurry to get anywhere. And I think that's in a good way. Um, the first two or three minutes are this slow build of this this uh, very pleasant, uh, moody collection of sounds. And, you know, there's some shimmery strings. There's some, it sounds like e-piano or or. or vaguely synthy kind of things and then uh right in the middle uh this guitar starts going on the left and then you get you know a, a little snare hit and then you suddenly get this real punchy trumpet melody and it's uh that's gonna be where my sample comes from so let's check out a little bit of emma emma blowgun kind of with that groove and uh it this was a song that i was on my discovery playlist i'll admit um over a month ago and it's like i didn't pick it right away it was just kind of sat in the back of my head and in marinating yeah i i didn't say marinating um but it, it wasn't one of those the first time i heard it I was like yeah i'm picking that this week it, it was kind of i just kept coming up on my shuffle and uh Eventually, I was like, yeah, I, I genuinely really enjoy this song for what it is. <laughs> uh, slow burn kind of thing. What did you think? Also, the the atmosphere was what gripped me right away um, in a similar way that the Holy Fuck track we just heard did. Uh, it's just chill. 
just total chill like yeah <laughs> let's have an easy day today um but also um this whole filter thing right at the beginning of the track and it keeps going on some of the instruments uh like hey i found out what a low pass filter is let's use it on everything and i'm not <laughs> saying that in a dismissive way i like the way they used it it's just this thing is all about the low pass filter so if you don't know what a low pass filter sounds like listen to the song and you will know what it sounds like um and then also i i always hook onto those little bits and pieces haha uh, things in the background that are like a little more buried um and the thing that did it for me in this track is this little e piano that's just doing eight notes octaves like do 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 all the time and and you you rarely even hear like the upper uh, note of this so it's more like quarter notes just going and I love this. I like putting that kind of stuff in my own songs. I know you put it in some of your songs and it's mm -hmm. just, um, it's too far to say that this is something like an ostinato, but it's just something steady that's in there and it sounds soft and it's always on the same note. It's just something to rely on. <laughs> <laughs> your anchor in the... <laughs> yeah. Better than having a drum groove that doesn't start on a one. Looking at you, Radiohead. All right, take us out. <laughs> So that was episode 56 of Bits and Pieces. Um, as always, you can check out all the show notes in your podcast app if you're listening on your phone or on sunriserobo.net slash bits and pieces slash 56. And while you're there, if you haven't already, if you're listening to this on our website, uh, in our new player, so you might have noticed we've upgraded our player recently, um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or through the RSS button that we have there. So you, it just opens your podcatcher and it will subscribe you. It's all automatic. It's, it's a beautiful world we live in where this thing happens automatically. Um, you can also give us feedback because we love feedback. Uh, if you know some more songs that have horribly deceiving rhythms or deep house tracks that sound exactly like other deep house tracks, which shouldn't be too hard to find, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X, and Michael, you are... At pseudo Michael, S U D O Michael. And if you want to go even a step further and support us directly, you can visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And if you support us there, one of the things that you can get in the rewards is getting shout out on one or all of our shows. And with thanks, very special thanks to Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. See you next time. See you later.